We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And today we're going to take another jaunt around the general NBA. A couple weeks ago, we got into just kind of some of the teams and some of the movement based on the offseason the different teams had. And there are certain players that are going to dictate what happens on those particular teams. This is, again, our first look introduction type of thing, but kind of, Mike, you got a, an idea for us, kind of a first impression of uh, what we think going into this season. Yeah, so it's basically a buy or sell segment, guys. You can call it whatever you want. It's been done on every single sports uh, talk show that's out there. Buy or sell, high or low, love, hate, whatever, right? The point is, uh, I wanted to look at some guys around the league that were either directly related to the Lakers, as in a player that's going to have an impact in the standings and therefore fight for the Western Conference, a potential finals matchup perhaps, or like a former Laker. So they're all guys that would, that have, that have some relevance to what's going to happen in the league next year. And it's just to me, a little bit of a fun way to get into some thoughts um, about specific players that dovetail into the larger thing. So the first player I'm thinking about, we're going to see right away. Okay. Uh, and not just in the preseason, but season opener, Steph Curry had an amazing season last year. And it was, I, I mean, it got, Darius, it got a lot of attention just for the fact of he was on the highlights every night, but Golden State was never a threat to really do anything. So I don't know if it got put into the kind of context that maybe we get to this season. So with that said, Darius, stock high, stock low, buy or sell. You tell me, Steph Curry, how does he play this year in relation to last season? I think he's just as good, if not better. It's hard to think of him being better. So the way I would frame it is this, and Pete, I'd love to get your thoughts about this, is I think Steph can be just as good, if not better than last season, even if his production is not the same. Because Clay at some point will be back. So the idea of maybe Steph getting up fewer shots or scoring fewer points or getting a little bit more rest or, or missing a game here or there that he may have played in last season. I think all of those things are on the table this year, but 
lineups where Steph is not the only threat on the floor when Clay comes back, he has the ability then, I think, to play in even with even more space play against even more single coverage potentially and see the dynamics of the floor change for him in ways that allow him to be even more efficient, which is sort of crazy to me when you look at how good he was last season. It's a testament to his skill level. And that's why I think of him as the most malleable superstar. There isn't a single player in the NBA that he's a bad fit alongside. And there isn't a single style of play that he can't play in. And so he is kind of like water in that Kelly Oubre is gone. They signed out Otto Porter Jr. They got the elites in there. They've had some roster turnover. They have a couple of young guys that that they're excited about. But the point is that Steph Curry will be whatever player Steph Curry needs to be to be a superstar on that team. And he is both the first guy that you plan for and also the player that is most fluid in what he can be. And that is especially remarkable. We have one of those in LeBron in a way where he's able to do it in different ways that Steph does, of course. But that sort of versatility we talk about all the time, Mike, where somebody who can just be whatever you need them to be. I don't think Steph Curry is going to be the same version of the player that he was last year, but I think he'll be just as good. All right, so for me, to the classic definition of the game here, it's going to have to be a very soft sell just because 32 points on 48% from the field, 42% from three on a ridiculous volume of shots. He took 12.73s per game last year. So, like, some guys are going to be back. But I thought Darius said on the point, like, that doesn't mean that he's going to be worse. I just think from a numerical standpoint, from a, like, what the productivity, what he did last year, it's going to be a little bit lower. Uh, But the fact that I think it's going to be close is why we think Golden State's got an actual chance to contend uh, and to battle with the Lakers here. Remember the year that Kobe scored, like, a bazillion points where he led the league in scoring, and it was, like, the highest number that any player had scored since Jordan? Right. 2006, 35.4 game. Yeah. Yeah. I would argue that that there was a string of three or four years where Kobe was the exact same player, if not better than the player he was that season. Right. But but as the team around him changed and improved, Kobe was another one of those dudes. He could be whatever the hell you he wanted to be on the court. Six for 24 in a game seven. I'm going to go get 15 rebounds. Yeah, much to the chagrin too and maybe frustration of a certain segment of fans, right? Like, oh, well, why isn't he this? He can be this. Why isn't he Mm -hmm. this? And I think he probably got some enemies around the league because of that. Steph is a very similar player this year, I think. He'll be, he's in that window of time where he will be just as good, I think. But the the demographics around him and the context of of his team make him a different dude next season but in the context of the game mike just like you you were saying like if it's strictly hey will he be as good and we're measuring good by numbers i don't think he will be as good because he probably won't have to be fair enough i think we're all in agreement on that one so i want to move to a similar case in terms of a level of player and it's last year's mvp And it's Nikola Jokic. And this guy, to me, has a really tough task of replicating what he did last season, not just in terms of the insane productivity. And I won't bore you with the stats right now, but just go back and look them up. People forget that he averaged over eight assists uh, on top of all of the scoring that he did did at a super efficient level. And he didn't miss a game. Like 
Pete, my my fear for Jokic going in is that this is kind of like his bubble tax season because he somehow managed to ride through the Western Conference Finals, through all the games, through the second round of the playoffs. And I, I've seen all the stuff about him looking in great shape, right? And we're getting like muscular Jokic coming in, but I just don't – like he could start hot, but I don't know how that's sustained. So where are you at with Jokic this year, buying or selling? It's selling, but way more based on his surrounding conditions – it's crazy to think we haven't even celebrated the one year anniversary of the Lakers championship. We're going into this is two years removed from that, two seasons removed from that, that we're talking about and excited about. And we've got training camp. We will have opened up training camp. We will have played a, pre, a preseason game, a few preseason games before the one year anniversary of our championship. Jokic is carrying a lot of that accumulated burden over the course of two seasons. He did get to the conference finals, so not quite as far as we did, but he didn't have that much more time off. And in a league where so many of the other teams and so many of the players that got that deep into the playoffs ended up getting hurt, he, like you said, he was not somebody who did that. Being able to do that twice, it's just that seems like a, a, a really tough. And that's not saying I expect him to get hurt, but D, the physical toll on Jokic, especially with he's not going to have Murray for most of the season. He'll have uh, Gordon, but absorbing all the ball handling that he's going to have to take care of, they're still going to be a good team. He's a great player, but I'm I think he's got a tough road ahead of him. So I agree with all of that, um, but I'm going to argue the other way really quickly. Um, Jokic is in his physical prime. He is a player who is still young and he is a player who is still improving and is basically at his peak. Right. And I get that Murray is hurt and the context of his season is what, what it is to me. Jokic is one of those dudes who plays at his own pace. He plays his own game and he is a guy who typically dictates the terms of engagement for every game that he is in people play at his terms and he's so good at shaping the environment around him that that's one of the reasons why he is as productive as he is and is as efficient as as he is and I do not necessarily see the details around that changing for him going into next season I see him being just as physically strong, just as physically able to impact the game in the way that he did this this past season. And that's assuming good health. I think the point you make about pace in particular is a great one. Mike, he really plays at his own pace, as D said, and just it's very slow. That probably plays into the amount of like the minutes he played aren't always the hardest minutes. Here's the way I want to frame it for Jokic is he's got the mental excuse this year to not be at that same level. Jamal Murray's out they, they He had these back-to-back seasons, played all 82. Like he was the MVP last year. I don't, I don't think next year would be the, the year where he would get the type of flack a little bit like Anthony Davis coming into the previous season. We hadn't done it before. Uh, only had a couple of months rest. Like what we were already hearing that before the season started. So is Jokic going to be like that? Or is he going to be like Kobe or Jordan or LeBron? And there is, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like this is what we get. And I, it's to me, it's an open question. If he can just take a little bit of a mental break for this year, not really believe Denver can win it and give us 85 or 90 percent of Jokic, that's all I'm getting at. And I'm curious to see how he responds. I feel like we'll know a lot when we see what kind of shape he shows up in at training camp. If he's able to do that, he's going to have to be in really really good shape. That's the thing, Pete. There's stuff going on. Stuff's going on like on the Internet 
right now that that the whole internet internet thing and oh. it's like he's he's got the you know the muscles are looking good like he's in better shape he's apparently lost weight so that would that would be a good sign um mm-hmm. physically yeah. I, but mentally is where i'm wondering if he can sustain that through the whole year sure the thing that i always think about when i think of a player like Jokic or any player from that particular part of the world is like those boys from the balkans they've seen they've seen real life and so when it comes to basketball, I feel like they have a certain amount of I'm going to go get it right. And Jokic, especially he, he to me, Mike, he feels like one of those leaders where he understands the stakes and how reliant that whole organization is on him and that wherever they go, it's going to be because he is he is the guidepost for them. And I feel like he's the type of dude that isn't going to say, ah, I I can take some time off from, from this, particularly if he knows that he doesn't have his super, his, his, uh, his co-star right there with him. It's one thing for AD to sort of look around the room and be like, I still got LeBron. Like we got all this talent coming back. We revamped the roster. I can sort of work my way up. I think Jokic is going to look look around the room and, and be like, look, wherever we're going, it's on me. And I feel yeah. like that is going to influence his approach to this year. I just see him as one of those really elite dudes now. He's proven it now to me over the last few years. It's just like, okay, coming off of an MVP, you're getting the benefit of the doubt from me. All right. Yeah. And look, he definitely had that last year. And so early in his career, he wasn't yet ready to embrace that. But maybe, as you said, Darius, he really did turn that corner. And this is just what we see uh, moving on. So on the other side of the conference or on the, on, in the other conference, I should say, Kevin Durant. There are a lot of guys on Brooklyn that I think we could discuss. But Durant, to me, is the is the one that's obviously at the top of the list. We just saw what he did for Team USA. We saw the playoff performance and level he was able to sustain. But we haven't seen him play a lot of games in the last several years. And so what Durant is able to do and and how consistently he can maintain that level that we know is there where some can make the argument that he's the best player in the league. Um, I'll still make the case for LeBron. I think he's right there. And I've still got him a notch above Giannis even. Uh, And like, where do we think Kevin Durant is going to be this year compared to last in a buy or sell standpoint? I think it's going to be very similar in the even the whole approach toward the regular season and not playing a ton of games. I think that's one of the things I've noticed over the NBA over the last several seasons. We talked a lot about load management, but there's also a conversation to be had about what is the worth of the regular season? What is the regular season for when you're a good team that's expected to go deep into the playoffs and more teams are making that decision to to load manage. I'm sorry, I'm saying all these curse words, Mike, but um, uh, it's it's the decision to do that. It is the decision to have guys sit and not have your full squad out there. And I I just don't see the tide of that changing. That said, D, the teams that it didn't work out. All the teams that tried to you know conserve and have help toward the Clippers did this toward the end of the season as well. Ours was not really intentional, right? We weren't holding guys out because it it was legit. You know, they were. we were struggling with injuries, but we haven't seen that work, right? So there's a whole conversation to be had about that. But with respect to Durant, I don't really see much changing. I'm still buying with Kevin Durant, Mike. Like he's still one of the he's one of those dudes. When you're talking about, hey, he could be argued as the best player in the world. Well, it's just like, well, if you're on that list, then 
Like I'm buying. And so assuming well, and, and that's all the more reason that's all the more reason D to wrap him up in bubble wrap during the regular season, right? Because he's gonna be he was there during that that playoff series. He almost won that damn thing himself. Yeah, and that's the thing is pacing himself appropriately, I think, is going to be super important. And it's hard to know if the injuries that he dealt with last season that kept him out of games are sort of of the recurring theme or if they're just sort of a function of hey guess what we've got five and seven nights again right and hey Kyrie is out again and so you got to do a little bit more I don't know like KD is just one one of those dudes where I'm just like you make the game look too easy for me to ever think it'll be hard on you right and so until the game starts to look a little bit harder for you I'm thinking you're gonna be just as good as ever and just killing dudes because I don't know I watched the Nets last season, I watched those playoffs. I watched him on Team USA, and he looked like the most unbothered dude ever. Just, oh, yeah, another pull-up 18-foot footer with a dude draped all over me, and that dude seems invisible to Kevin Durant. I'm feeling that pressure through my television, and he seems unbothered. So where are you at with KD? Is it the health that is a question for you? I'm buying Durant. And I am not into bubble wrap, as you know, Pete. I will not be load managing Kevin Durant. Now, here's what I'll say, though. There's a difference between four games and five nights, and maybe you take the second back-to-back off. Like, if you want to miss five games out of the 82 because of the schedule and you're up in your age 32 year, like, I, you can twist my arm into that. If you can show me some data about how this is specifically going to help my guy. But we're not, we're not doing 10-plus games. You know, right. we're not like that's not that has not helped teams other than the one weird exceptional Kawhi year in which he was coming off of the weird leg injury that had him force his way out of San Antonio. So that's that's a different thing. And if I'm getting that much more of Kevin Durant and last year, again, he played 35 games. It wasn't so much because of load management. It was because he had a hamstring pull. Right. And then like that, like he had injuries that they may have taken a little bit more time to. But it wasn't just because of they were, hey, he's been out for a long time. We're not going to play him much. So I am I am expecting a MVP type season that I think this is he's going to be. What is he? Thirty two, I think. Yeah, he's thirty two. Like, I think this is I think KD should try to put his stamp on the league uh, again this year for the full season. Oh, good stuff. All right. Let's uh, let's go to break. We'll come back. Uh, we'll keep it going. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, Mike, who we got next? All right, I want to hit on a couple former Lakers. Uh, we, we don't have to spend a ton of time on here because, for example, Washington Wizards, I don't know how relevant they will be other than us getting to enjoy watching KCP and Kuzma and, to an extent, Harrell. But what do you guys think happens with Kuz next year in Washington? Oh, that's good. So their style of play changes quite a bit from Russ and even John Wall, right? You've got Spencer Dinwiddie is a very different type of point guard than a John Wall or a Russell Westbrook. And so there's, gosh, see, Kuz would be good in that up-tempo type of style. I still think they're going to run. They're talking about KCP playing the three over there. I think this is Kuz's year to kind of let his wings spread, D. So I'm I'm a buy on Kuz. A lot of mouths to feed in Washington. Right. Yeah. There's sort of a consensus that they've gotten a lot better um, because they swapped out Russ, who is not everyone's favorite flavor of ice cream. Mm. Right. And but but they got a lot of depth, good depth, too. They've got a lot of good players now, like quality players, guys I like. I like Spencer. I, I like Kuz. I like KCP. Right. And then you add and then Trez and then you add those to like a guy like Thomas Bryant who's coming back and then Rui who keeps getting better and then they have Denny Advi- right it's just like oh uh, and then oh Bertans too it's just and then haven't even said Bradley Beal's name yet right and so a lot of mouths to feed there and I wonder what Kuz's role is going to be Mike like I love Kuz I always want to see the former Lakers do do well I'll be very interested to see if he can strike the right balance between hey I want to I want to like spread my wings a little bit like Pete is saying while also playing the type of winning basketball that I think will probably get him the type of bigger role that allows him to spread his wings and if he can strike that right balance I am high on coups but it's like there's going to be a lot of jockeying for position there for minutes and for playing time and I wonder where he falls in that hierarchy there so with the Wizards roster and how Kuz fits in, Darius. It's a part to me of the inverse of Steph Curry. So, like, the opportunity should go up for Kuz based on what it was last year. So, this is like if, you, if you're trying to get Eli Mitchell right now because you had Raheem Mostert in fantasy for week one, right? Like, that's that's the spot where he's going to get some opportunity. So, just by that nature. Now, does that mean he's going to play better basketball? I think he has learned to play winning basketball. But if you can pair that with some additional freedom and sort of give him a role – 
and let's like let's see it now. Let's see if you can get all of that offensive stuff that we've broken down over the years. And like you could have this super fun, fast lineup that isn't that great defensively. But if you go Dinwiddie, Beal, KCP, Kuzma, and then my favorite of the centers there is Daniel Gafford. I know that our boy Thomas Bryant uh, is coming off an injury. He's making about nine mil. Gafford's only making 1.7, but I kind of like Gafford. That is a fast, athletic team that just pushes tempo and can beat you on any given night. Uh, they're they're probably not going to beat you four times out of seven, but like that's a it's a, a, a kind of a fun team. And then you come out off the bench with Harrell, right? Maybe even Bryant to spit. I would like playing Bryant and Harrell together because Harold does some of the um, some of the interior work. Thomas Bryant spaces the floor. And then you got like fast guards like Aaron Holiday. We'll see what Kispert can do. So that would be the way that I would play. And that to me would be perfect for Kuz, um, even though, again, they're going to get taken advantage of defensively a lot of nights with him at the four there. But I'm, I'm optimistic that that will help our guy succeed in Washington. Yeah, one thing about those those touches, D, is that he – Kuz is a different type of player. He gets his baskets in a different way than anyone else does on their team. There's no real overlap between him and other players on the team. So I think he'll find himself with some opportunities, even though he's surrounded by other guys that need their touches too. Yeah, well, the thing I worry about with Kuz is that Washington has invested money and resources in terms of draft capital into players who are basically in the same sort of position realm as him, right? We sort of view Kuz as a 3-4 right? Rui's sort of a 3-4. Like, Bertans is sort of a 3-4. Like, Denny they, is sort of are, a 3-4. They're different types of 3-4s than Kuz is, though, right? Like, they're kind of one of each in a lot of, in a lot of ways, but yeah. They are. They are. And so, But when you have the potential to call on a different tool for every situation, what does that do to the tool that, like, are you able to do more than those other guys in areas that they're supposed to be good at in order to sort of gobble up some of their their minutes too, right? Yeah, and that's a lot Ian, of competition there, yeah. And, and that's where I'm talking about, is he able to strike that right balance between, I can go get mine, but I can do things that help us win. Because if he's doing the things that helps them win, while also being uber productive, he could find himself like, oh, look at Kuz getting 17 and eight a night with two or three assists. And is that most improved player buzz that I'm getting around Kyle? Right. Like there could be some of that. It could also be like, oh, log jam in the front court for the Wizards. And it totally depends, Darius, on how Washington viewed the trade, right? Did they view yeah. it as was Kuz kind of the piece they were excited about? Was KCP the piece they were excited about? Because if, if it is Kuz, then all of a sudden, like right now, he's a better player than Rui Hachimura. He, he just is. Now, they they spent a lottery pick on Rui. So now, even though that was the past regime, like, do they want to show, do they want to kind of show their work there? And then same thing with Denny Abia. I mean, he's only 20 years old, so I think he's still like he's a guy you can bring off the bench and kind of keep growing to get better. But if if Kuz if Kuz is starting and Hachimura is coming off the bench, we'll know something. If Hachimura is starting and Kuz is back to the bench role, like then I, I just think it's going to be harder for him to to think like, oh wait, I was like I was just coming off the bench because I was behind AD and LeBron. Now I'm here in Washington, and just because you drafted Rui Hachimura like eighth overall or whatever it was, now I got to go back to the bench. You know, I, I would that would be a, a tough one. All right, let's let's move on so we can get through a couple other guys here. Lonzo Ball, speaking of former Lakers, who has now been away for a couple of years, but has his chance to go to a new situation, a new team in Chicago. A little bit loaded in the backcourt. 
But uh, I, Pete, I, I can't fight this optimism that I have for Lonzo. There's just so much of his game that I enjoy that I'm choosing to look at the rosier sides and not think about, you know, breaking down his guy off the dribble and trying to create a shot for himself in the lane and and focusing on the things that he does really well. Where do you see Lonzo in the Chicago Bulls uniform next year? It's the best role for him since he's been in the NBA. He's been a Draymond type, like in terms of that do everything defensive guard, but a a player that is not an individual shot creator or much of a scorer, but really helps in a lot of different aspects of the game. And those are exactly the guys you want to put around a Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. Got our boy Alex out there too. And Alex and, and Alonzo are of the same class of players, the same type of player. You know what, Pete? Let's bring Caruso into this too. Yeah, we can t- let's talk about both of them here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, let's do that. And I think it's going to be a little more difficult for Alex in that I think that Alex has said this himself, where he gets better the better player he's playing with. So part of the magic with him and LeBron is the most the biggest part of it was LeBron and the ability. But what that came from was the ability of a basketball genius to be like, okay, the defense is doing this. And that means if Alex does this, he's going to be open here. And Alex is making that same calculation in his mind at the same time. Chicago doesn't have those type of distributors. And so some opportunities will be lost as a result of them not being initiated in the first place. That said, I'm they're going to be my adopted East Coast team this year, D. I'm really excited to, to see what they're doing. And with respect to Lonzo, I think he's in a great spot. So I agree 100% about Lonzo. I'm buying. I think the improved shooting is real. I think that his playmaking has always been there. I think putting him around finishers is going to be helpful for him. And if they can find a way to play fast, I'm all for Chicago being a pretty good in that six through eight range where they can potentially play themselves out of the play-in. I'll always love Caruso and I'll always value the things that he does. I'm less positive that he's going to be as impactful for the Bulls as he was for the Lakers. And I think that that comes down to what Pete was saying. I also think, too, that Caruso is, I think that in the higher stakes moments, the things that Caruso does in terms of winning plays make an even bigger difference. Pete mentioned Caruso getting better in terms of the quality of player that he plays around. I also think his contributions matter more when your team is better because the type of difference making plays that he makes can oftentimes turn a key possession or two or three key key possessions over the course of a game in your direction. And in the end, that shows up in box score plus minus. And now you've won. Right. But if Caruso is plus six or plus seven on a night where he plays 15 minutes. Right. It's just like if over the course of the rest of the game, you're minus 12. Well, then guess what? You lost by five. Right. And 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 I'm not sure if it shows up as much for him there as it does when it's just like, oh, where he is that 
extender of positivity on the court, right? That, that allows you, yeah, yeah, that, that advantage, right. That that basically says like, I'm going to be the bridge between Anthony Davis and LeBron James at times. And that is such a powerful force for helping you to win basketball games. And it's a TBD for me to see if Levine and DeRozan and Vucevic are good enough for Caruso's connectivity to be a true difference maker in wins and losses, which I think is where his value most shows up, Mike. Yeah, I worry about the Bulls on the whole. And I so it part of it's because they gave away three future first round picks, one of which just went to Orlando, uh, the number eight pick for Mo Wagner's brother, Franz. And they have two future round picks still going out for DeMar DeRozan and Vucevic, both of whom are basically one-sided players uh, on the offensive side of the court and don't give you a ton. Although I'd say DeRozan does more than Vucevic and that complicates their roster right from the jump. When you've got two guys that not only are you paying the most to, but you gave up future assets to that don't give you what you what you need on one end of the court. So on one hand that makes Lonzo and Crusoe more important because they're going to come in and they're going to defend a lot better than DeRozan, than Levine, certainly than Kobe white. So I think the plus minus stuff Darius was hinting at, that's going to shift some, but you're also totally right in that Caruso is much better playing off a of LeBron or a Jokic or a Doncic, like somebody else that's controlling the action. And he's and he knows, OK, I know exactly where to go. And this guy's going to see me. We're going to get a bucket. He can cut to the hoop on the weak side. Pete, Zach Levine may not even see him because he's Might in his fadeaway mm-hmm. from the elbow. And then so what's the use then? Right. Of him on the offensive side of the court, because he's not going to give you the pure spacing there. And it's kind of the same thing with Lonzo, where. Like Lonzo's really good at that intuitive basketball stuff too, but I don't know if I see Levine and DeRozan and Vucevic as as those type of basketball IQ players. So it's it's a bit of a weird fit. Um, I'm rooting for those two uh, f- for sure, but I don't love the I don't love how it all is going to play out together for the team uh, in Chicago. Interesting. They're, I'm very curious to see how they play. They're they're one of the more uh, interesting teams around the league, good or bad. I think very intrigued to see what they do. A big lift was done by Chris Paul last year with the Phoenix Suns. And Chris basically played the full season, basically stayed healthy the whole way through, was awesome, was on a lot of people's MVP ballots uh, in terms of top five. And I'm setting this up to say that it's difficult to sustain that for a point guard at his age and to do it again with now the bullseye a little bit on Phoenix based on the run that they that they went on um, getting all the way to the finals. And I it's hard, Pete, to go another way than to say that I'm selling on that. But I'm curious if you have any Chris Paul takes that I think have to extend to the whole Phoenix Suns. Right. And, and I'm trying to remember what you said about their appearance in the finals a couple of pods ago. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, I'm glad you're talking about the stuff I say on the pods and not the stuff I say privately. I would uh, never say what you say. privately. <laughs> yeah. Well, to that end, I am buying Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton and selling the rest of them. Right. I, like, I thought they um, they're going to be facing a. They are. They did get to the finals. They are going to be facing this year's version of the bubble tax, will, which will not be as severe, but it will be there. They are a younger team, and so in theory, they should not be as impacted as the other teams. And Chris Paul's game, I, I, I think the Jokic, uh, the Jokic comparison applies here in terms of pace and how he plays, what is required of him. But the difference, D, is that Jokic is seven feet tall, two eighty. Chris Paul does not have any physical attributes that 
he can lean on right to get through. And so I think that that ask on him is going to be the, the, the biggest of all. And just kind of continuing that wave from one season to the next is going to be very difficult for them. So yeah, I, with CP3, I'm definitely selling. I'm selling within the context of his raw numbers. Um, I think that the work that he did in terms of impacting the team is mostly was mostly done last season, right? So I'm selling maybe in terms of his overall impact that probably elevated his MVP case last year, Mike, which was like that whole idea of it being a turnaround. It's probably time to have the conversation with Chris Paul about like, how can we scale down your role a little bit more, like in terms of minutes and in terms of the ask that's on you in order for you to maintain the efficiency and that sort of bulldog mentality that you bring to the game every single night, right? And you mentioned Booker and Aiton, Pete. I think that their lifts are going to have to go up. I think the same is probably true for Mikhail Bridges. He's another guy who I would buy on because I really like Bridges as a role player. Campaign. So all of those guys are nice. They're nice enough. Campaign, Cam Johnson. Those guys are good. They're good NBA players, and they're going to help you over the course of, of the regular season. And I think in the right matchups during the playoffs, they could be useful there, too. In terms of getting back to, to Chris Paul, there is a point where he's going to reach I, – I think he's going to be this era Stockton, personally, where till the day that he retires, he's probably going to be a guy who is just like, you have to account for him, and he's going to be important while he's on the court. But at some point, Mike, Stockton became a guy where he was playing – 22 24 minutes a night and not a guy who was playing 32 to 34 minutes a night all right a couple guys that i think i'm gonna i'm just gonna state from the top i'm gonna buy for their individual seasons paul george and chris Epps porzingis pete you pick one which which one would you rather go to george in with the clippers or chris Epps with the Mavs? paul george and i think the clippers are going to be better than people think they'll be I don't know if we discussed that yet, but I agree. Like, I think that George, like, he's going to have an elite season, I think, because there's no pressure. I don't think this, I think the ceiling is lower with Kawhi probably not coming back. I shouldn't say probably because we really don't know, but, you know, it's, there's a chance that he won't return at all. And their floor is high to me, but their ceiling is lower. So I think the Clippers will be a harder team to play, no pressure, all that. But so George will have a good individual season, but I don't have them amongst the top contenders. Darius, do you, are you with that for George and the Clippers? I'm with it for the Clippers. I'm not sure about Paul George, guys. I was high on Paul George last season. I just think that when you take the sort of player like Kawhi out of it, and it's over the course of a full regular season, the weight then that shifts to Paul George is bigger. And I think during the playoffs where you could scheme the way that, and Ty Lue's a good playoffs coach, I think. When you can scheme a certain way and you you know that you're going to go to Paul George and he's going to play like 40 minutes a night, right, in order to be as productive as he was and to have the impact that that he did. Like, I think that's one thing to say you can't play Paul George 40, 41 minutes a night during the regular season in order for them to be as good. And so the lift then that you have on guys like Reggie Jackson and all of that. It's one thing to be like, oh, yeah, go out and beat the Utah Jazz, a team that you're probably tailor-made to beat with the style of play that you play. And do that without Kawhi for the last couple of games versus saying like, okay, well, now we've got a whole season of that. I, I think that's a bit trickier to me. And I'm not necessarily sold that Paul George is going to be as good. 
I think George is going to have a bit of a harder time this season over the course of a full 82 game slate. All right. All right. I like it. So I only have one more unless there's a player that you guys wanted to get to. No, go for it. Okay. Uh, candy corn. Now a little preface here. I, uh, I just got back from target before we started recording and it was the first time I saw the Brock's mellow cream pumpkins. Some of you will be aware of this. Uh, many will not, but they're, it's basically candy corn except wrapped into the pumpkin, okay, like a mini pumpkin. And I had two that I ate to start the show, and Darius just immediately got upset. And he wanted to add this to the displeasure scale, and I currently have it as number nine, which is last. Kids brought home Halloween candy, and it's all candy corn. So clearly, Darius, you yes. are selling uh, on the candy corn and the pumpkins. I, They're not – high on my list of candy okay they're not up there in the, in the stratospheres with skittles and starburst and sour patch kids and hershey's cookies and cream you know stuff like that or like 100 grand but they're good like i still enjoy them no it, no okay no they're not they're well they're not good that's not to say you can't enjoy them mike like enjoy all the things that you want to enjoy in life i'm not here to to yuck your yum per se, mm-hmm. as like, like my kindergarten teaching wife would say. So like I'm that. not going to just slander candy corn here, but I will say it's not good. It is just a sugary blob of nothingness to me. It is literally candied <laughs> corn, and but it doesn't taste like corn. It'd be one thing if it was sort of like, oh, almost like elote in infused candy right like that might be something that i could get down I with i don't want to tasting like it, corn bro it's not a vegetable it's candied corn mike so it's sugar what do you want it to taste like <laughs> yes but i'm just saying <laughs> i want it to taste like candy bro if it was named something different would it change your it opinion mi- on it it might it still though would be like okay why is why does this look like some yellowed tooth that fell out of someone's <laughs> mouth first of all looks kind of gross <laughs> to me second of all aesthetically not pleasing to darius that's fine but but you'll eat you'll eat little chocolate things that look like poop though that's that's fine look there is no discernible you're done done with whoppers they look like whoppers are fine yeah you like it but but just don't talk about the aesthetics then of the candy corn i'm just saying that's one thing on the list mike it's like that's (laughs) just one variable against it All all right pete thoughts darius clearly selling it's one of those things where like, like they're fine. I don't understand yeah. how people hate candy corn, like how they inspire passion. That's it's fine. I, all right, that, that'll do it. You've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. They win. Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. 
There's the move. Two. Miss it. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.